Paratopia, our guest tonight is a man who needs no introduction. He is the owner of a paranormal hotspot by almost all accounts. He's someone who has near had near-death experience. He's heavy into meditation. He has reached out to whatever this phenomena is, and it has reached back. And he invites you to his ranch to reach for it as well. Reach for the stars! You can learn all about him at eseti.org. That's E-C-E-T-I dot org. Where you can also purchase um, a documentary feature that includes a lot of, uh, well, UFO and orb footage and testimonial and all sorts of fun stuff called Contact Has Begun. That's the name of the movie. So visit the site, eseti.org, buy the movie Contact Has Begun, and listen to him now on Paratopia. So without further ado, Paratopia, please welcome our very special guest, Mr. James Gilliland. James, thank you so much. I know that you don't do uh, a whole lot of shows anymore, so um, I'm really glad that you decided to do ours. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, now, f- before we get into some of the deeper questions, uh, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, I'm sure you're sick of giving your bio by now, but <laughs> why not just give us some of the highlights? <laughs> oh, I usually go by nobody, and it works works very well. So, uh, But... Uh, you know, basically, you know, I could, I'll skip my childhood, but uh, everything started with a near-death experience where I drowned and crossed over and went through the tunnel everybody talks about and had a lot of uh, crazy experiences after that. And that was 30-something years ago, I think 33 years ago, when that happened. And it, you know, put me on a path of, of seeking out almost every uh, master teacher I could find and studied with lamas and yogis and you know, scientists and people from all over the world and learned almost every process-oriented therapy you could imagine. But uh, uh, basically that's the process. And I, I started the uh, East City Ranch here about 25 years ago, building a, a healing center. Um, a, you know, it's more of a meditation and, and healing center using a lot of different modalities to assist people in their awakening the healing process. And about halfway into this, uh, we started having contact with ultra-dimensional beings and very highly evolved uh, beings started contacting us telepathically, and then they started showing us their ships, and then it's just been crazy ever since. We're just getting outrageous footage of their ships, and they come and tell us when they're going to appear, and so we have our cameras waiting, and, and uh, uh, that's basically the reason why we've, we've gotten the footage that we've gotten is because we've risen to the occasion. These are extremely advanced beings are very spiritually and technologically advanced beings and and we've kind of met the criteria for contact well let me ask you this uh during your near-death experience you end up talking with presumably god and god says to you as you wish to your Mm -hmm. uh what wanting to come back was that what it was okay yes And that was your big lesson: was that there's no there's there's no sort of good and evil per se there. There's just um, your perception, and however you choose, uh, gets reflected back at you. Is that sort of accurate? Yeah, pretty much. It was it was just a consciousness and energy, and I was part of it. But there was a greater uh, light, you might say, this golden white light surrounding me that was conscious and speaking to me, it's neither male nor female. Uh, it's beyond that. It's more of a frequency and a force, but uh, a very intelligent frequency and a force, you might say. But uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, pretty much whatever we're thinking, you know, even worrying about things is a form of prayer. You're actually praying for that thing to happen because the source doesn't have an ego. So it just says, as you wish. So whatever you're focusing on, whatever you're carrying in your bands or your, or your consciousness is actually creating your tomorrow. Well, this is something that Jeff and I have talked about in terms of uh, alleged aliens, which, you know, are, we're experiencers. Mm-hmm. We don't call them aliens because we don't really know what they are. But there does seem to be <laughs> that, as you wish, or as Jeff would say, the more you give, the more you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of thing going on. So how do you know that it's actually interdimensional beings from various places and not, um, as you wish, being fulfilled uh, for you who wants that to be the case? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, basically, I wasn't seeking them out. I wasn't looking for them, and I was on a whole different journey. So they came with the with the package, you might say, or the territory. And, and once you get to a certain level of consciousness, they find you. You know, you sent, you emit an energy signature or a, or a light, you might say, that they pick up and they know when you're ready. So that's uh, it's kind of you know what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, I that's one of those questions. I I always look at that. Okay, am I is this an extension of my consciousness? Am I manifesting this or if I am, things are manifesting that are outside my reality, and I'm learning new things all the time. So, you know, it might be another level of my consciousness doing this. You know, I don't know. But the one thing is that cameras really don't have a consciousness, and they don't have an imagination. And so when they come on film, you know, something's there. And, again, you could say, well, you're manifesting that as a hologram or whatever, but... Uh, I think the whole world's a hologram, basically, so it's, it, I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, well, when you talk to, you, you said spiritual leaders or uh, guru types, meditators? Yes. Uh, you must have talked to them about alien life. Did, did they say anything about this? I mean, the fact that you could meditate and call in or call down beings? Well, I found a real mixed bag in this. What what happened is the ones that didn't know what was going on said, they just said, oh, don't do that, don't do that, don't go there. Uh, that's a distraction, you know, just focus on the source. And uh, in your meditation, you know, go for the void or whatever. And the ones that, that did know about the ancient knowledge got a big grin on their face and smiling, and they, they were really... Uh, extremely supportive of it. Uh, one of the llamas I studied with, when I told him what was happening, uh, he just started jumping up and down. He got all excited and gave me a big hug, and, and his uh, students were saying, what would you say to him? They go, we've never seen him act like that. You know, what did you say to him? And and there was kind of an exchange of energy between us. It was a very, very powerful event, for me anyway. And, and uh, but they know about it. It's, it's in all the ancient Vedic scriptures, uh, the lamas, the, the ones that are not steeped in religion but actually know of their ancient history, know about it. It's, it's in all of the Native American traditions, basically. So it's, uh, when you do the research, uh, it seems like everything goes back to off-world visitors or, or E.T., and, and it's a real mixed bag out there when you go into the other planes and dimensions and, and other off-world visitors because it's, you know, the majority of it's benevolent, but there are some that are a little self-serving. Well, when you say go into these other planes or dimensions, what exactly are you doing to go into planes and dimensions? 
Well, one of the things that we've done here is that the, the ranch here is a portal or a vortex. It's a really high-energy place, and so the veils between worlds are very thin. And people come here all the time with their cameras, and they see things or see energy patterns and take pictures. And the cameras actually pick up more of the light spectrum than our eyes, and so beings appear. And uh, some of the beings have actually appeared here and been photographed by a Japanese monk who spends a lot of his life in a cave basically doing dark retreats. But he can see the other planes and dimensions very easily. And so he actually brings his cell phone and starts taking pictures of these, you know, incredible beings appearing here at the ranch. And then on top of that, uh, finally, when people saw what he was doing, somebody gave him a really nice camera. So he's getting them on, on camera as well. Uh, I, I guess sort of a pedestrian question that is sure. tangential to all this is, uh, how were you funded? How did you come into this ranch? How did you afford to meet scientists and llamas and all of that? Well, basically, when before I drowned, I was in commercial real estate, and I had my own office and people, people working for me, and I was buying houses and fixing them up and selling them, and I, I went from one house to another, and the last house I bought was a, a beach house that just went through the roof. And I made a, 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 a dual unit out of it and sold it, and that gave me the money for the for the ranch. And and now basically I subsist on doing you know counseling work, doing workshops, and you know sales from some of the DVDs and, and books. How did you? So was it a coincidence? I guess you probably don't believe in coincidence, but that the fact that you you of all people ended up with this portal land. I, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, it was guided. There's a major synchronicity all along the way, and I was shown visions of it before I got here, but I didn't know the whole story. I, I was Again, I was just looking for a healing center, and, uh, and that was all I wanted to do it in a natural environment and you know, work close to the land and have a, a, create a template where people could live a spiritual life in harmony with each other and the land and, and you know, live close to nature and and work on on those levels, and also places you know where people could clear and heal you know old wounds and traumas and wrong conclusions and a lot of old patterns that that we're carrying around with us. So mm-hmm. that was the focus. Uh, you know, I you know there's always a bigger picture going on, and, and so at that time I had no idea, but now I see the I'm seeing the bigger picture, and it's it's much larger than I even imagined. Huh. Well, I, I just watched a, a 2008 speech that you gave um, where you were talking about uh, 2012 and I think essentially saying, you know, we're at a precipice where it's going to be really bad news or really good news, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how we go, and that there are these various beings and they're um, here helping us do the work. And you mentioned this over and over again, doing the work. What does that mm-hmm. mean? What is the work that they're doing? Well, basically, they're working very hard on other levels, and they're there inspiring us to, to you know, move towards uh, a more spiritual life in harmony with each other and the planet. And uh, they're, they're hoping to get us to transcend war and disease and all the other things that we're playing with right now. And they've done this. Actually, they, they don't have, lack for any material need whatsoever. They've transcended war and disease, and they have the technologies to do that as well to clean up our planet and bring in these fearless technologies. And they're already here on the planet right now. They're with the black ops, unfortunately, and the elite have them. But it needs to be, you know, handed down to the people and start moving in that direction. But they're, they're very active in working on, 
on inspirational levels, energy levels. They do a lot of healing work for people, uh, you know, those who initiate it and ask for it. But mainly they work on that on those levels, but they, they have a, a fine line. They can't really trespass on free will, so we have to initiate it and, and rise to the occasion so we can access this consciousness and energy and, and uh, experience some of these things. Uh, but what do they actually do? I mean, maybe this is an unfair question because maybe, yeah. maybe you don't know, but what is the actual, I mean, you know, when you think of doing something for a living, you can mm-hmm. pretty much explain what that is. What is it that they actually do? Well, basically, these beings have transcended, as I said, you know, all material lack. They're in pure service mode, and and they're so advanced. Basically, they serve the creator in all creation, you might say, and they see us as a part of creation that is in dire need of help right now, you know, because, I mean, one only has to look at what happened with the Gulf, you know, and uh, and the wars and all the other craziness and all the uh, pathogens that are being spread around the planet. So we're definitely uh, in need of as much help as we can get, and, and, and they're focused in that area, but there are rules they have to, to go by that they, they can't just come and clean everything up for us. So what is it that we need to do? Is it a certain number of people? Like if we have these, if we're at the fork in the road of destiny and, and one path is bad and one path is good, what is it that we need to do on our end? Uh, how many of us need to do it? And does it matter the quality of person that does it? Uh, basically, what they told me is all you need is an open mind, a loving heart, and pure intent uh, to connect with them and work with them. So, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or anything else. And uh, as far as – what were the other two questions again? <laughs> the, the first uh, that basically, do, do, you know, the, does the quality matter and, I guess, the, the population? I mean, are, is there a certain number of people that need to get on a different path uh, to avert disaster? What would that number be? Uh, I would imagine there is. I haven't been given any numbers. I'm sure there's some kind of a percentage. Uh, from my understanding is, is that they, they've been talking a lot about different timelines and different realities being created by different individuals and group individuals and things like that. And so I've seen that act being acted out, you might say, and I've seen... Uh, some pretty crazy things happened in my own life where I was sitting right on top of a, a five-plus quake. I mean, I was ground zero, and we didn't even know what happened because we were in meditation and bringing in these energies, and I actually had 12 other people there uh, in Hawaii, and we were doing this technique and bringing in the energy, and, and everybody was being downloaded, you might say, with the, the higher consciousness and energy. And when we walked out of the hotel, it was at the... the uh, I think it's a world, I can't remember what, it's Dr. Sala's uh, big conference there that he has, uh, Michael Sala with the exopolitics.org. But, right. uh, yeah, we, we the, a large group of us had got together and did some work, and then a smaller group got together later, and a lot of the healers and main teachers, you know, of the of the island there, and did some very intense work. And when we came out of the room, everybody was just flipped out and freaking out and and you know, scared, and the whole hotel was empty, and we couldn't figure out what happened. And we asked them what happened, and nobody could believe that we didn't know what happened, uh, you know, because we were just outside of that frequency of what was going on. So there are ways of actually moving beyond some of these events and, you know, shifting into a different timeline or uh, or moving just out of that frequency. I, I don't know the exact dynamics on how this all works, but I've seen it work, and... Uh, so as I said before, if enough people 
you know, wake up and shift frequencies and change the frequency of the planet, things will, will go a lot better if, if we continue on this unbridled greed and, and reckless greed and, and what we're doing to the Gulf and things of that nature, then we're going to have a very hard lesson coming around the corner. And how much of what we're talking about is knowledge that you gained from these beings as opposed to stuff that you've read? You know, I don't really, it's funny, I, I feel bad about this, but I've had all kinds of people send me books and I never read them. And the reason I don't read them is because I want to get my own information. I don't want to go off of somebody else's information or have it uh, taint whatever's coming through. So uh, I do read books, you know, physics books and things and stay up on the latest things in, in that nature. But uh, as far as uh, other information coming in from other beings and things like that, I, I try to not go there because I want I don't want it to interfere with the information that's coming in here. And here's another thing that just sort of gets back to the sort of, for me anyway, the trickstery nature of this stuff, which is, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've seen some of your footage and it's orbs and you defend it and say, this isn't dust, this isn't insects. But mm -hmm. it seems that with all of this UFO type stuff, there's always a way out Again, quoting quoting my partner mm -hmm. Jeff Ritzman, there's always a way out for it, mm -hmm. uh, for it to be able to say, "Look, none of this is real." Um, yeah, and that just struck me as sort of the same thing. I mean, what do you make of that? Why don't they show up as themselves or in a, in a form that would be believable to most people? Well, you know, they have here actually to certain people, and that that is one of the problems that we run across. Uh, they don't show up for everybody because, again, we need to rise to the occasion. And some people, if you were to stand in their presence, you'd just come unglued because their frequency would interfere with your frequency and all of your issues, everything would come up. And uh, it's very hard to stand in the presence of some of these beings. And, and that's one account. And, and we do have the metal ships on the website. You can see the metallic ships with the, you know, antennas on them and things like that. And these ships are being filmed all around the world right now. So, you know, we have everything from the nuts and bolts to the triple PhD Boeing and Lockheed engineers that have come here, Air Force Base commanders have come here. Uh, we had them testify on coast to coast. We had a, a triple PhD Boeing engineer and a, a Lockheed engineer that were here when a large ship flew in, and, and I guess Art heard heard them screaming, and he said, bring them on the air. So I did, and they actually testified, and they said, this is not what we saw. is not ours. It's nothing we have. Uh, it was massive, and what it did was beyond imagination. So, I mean, we have the scientists on board. We have the footage on board, and we have uh, these things landing, turning into three or four, and going back to one again, and, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things. So, so, you know, the preponderance of evidence and the witnesses and everything else, it's I think it's pretty solid, you know, as far as this case. But can I can I cut in here for a second, James? Sure. Um when you when you talk about the, the, the Boeing and Lockheed guys coming and all sorts of scientists being involved with this. Yes. And obviously, I mean they're seeing something and uh that that's astounding them. Mm -hmm. When you've got that kind of activity going on and you've got uh, – and I've read a, a bit about your own experiences there, such as meditating on the, on the lawn and, and having a, a light come bounce towards you and kind of jump into your chest, which is kind of a familiar thematic around here. Mm -hmm. um, why is it that we don't have every available resource in your front lawn right now? 
You know, that's a damn good question, <laughs> and uh, it's available, and I've never seen anything like it. Uh, we ask that question often, and I've seen also, too, in the UFO community, uh, there is so much dissension and bickering and fighting. I mean, they eat their young, basically. And yeah, tell so me about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of jealousy, and, uh, you know, we invite them up, and they've been up here. I mean, we uh, Wendell Stevens just passed over, but... You know, he's one that's been here. I can give you a whole list of people that spoke at the conferences that have been here. All of the exopolitics people have been here, and they know it's for real. They've seen the ships, and, you know, they'll go on record and talk about it. So they have been here, and, you know, we had Fox News come here and do a special, and it was a pretty positive one. You know, it was a little spin in the beginning, but they actually gave us a fair shake. And we had BBC come out here with Danny Dyer, and they did a whole special on it. And... um Paranormal State came out here as well, and they all did specials, and the ships came for them, and they got them on film. So uh, it is getting out there, but there is a major uh, – there's a couple things going. A lot of the media, you know, kills this stuff, and there is a lot of disinformation and people in in ufology that are trying to suppress this information and, and for various reasons. I mean, I'm curious why uh, that. Well, I'll give you a for instance, and let me tell you my my backstory with as far as you go. Um, I was for many years the image analyst for Above Top Secret, yeah. and I understand they came to your ranch. Yeah, and and just so you know, um, and I'm not talking out of school here. I mean, this is totally my my story with this. Um, I was tapped for every image case involving unidentified flying objects for them from the minuscule unknowns to the the high-profile cases like O'Hare uh, Airport. And when they went uh, to your place and stayed there, I mean, they got gobs of footage that they posted up on the website, and I never got tapped to look at any of it. <laughs> uh, and I will say that uh, uh, Johnny, the one fellow that I was talking to on there, uh, who was at your place, who I think did most of the recording, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah. You know, I remarked to him, quite honestly, I said, uh, what you got looks a hell of a lot like birds and bugs to me. I'm not seeing anything in these that I find to be anomalous in any way whatsoever. And and I don't exactly remember what his response was, but it was, well, we're going to get you a CD, and that CD I never got. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, now it seems, if I'm correct, now it seems that they have kind of dismissed your your whole thing up there. Uh, is that the way this has gone for you with with that part of it, or? Well, yeah. What what happened here? This is really interesting, and we actually have him on record. We have a video of him where he actually experienced his own connection with the ships. He had his video camera running. And it was in a process that we were doing a, a healing for him and helping him clear up. He had a very serious problem with his leg. He could hardly walk. And they came in, and actually he received a spontaneous healing. We have this all on tape. And the ships, you could get their sound in the background. So he got this, and that was sanitized or censored. Uh, he had Robbie Williams uh, there singing with his group, Beatles songs, and all of these incredible orbs and light spheres came and were swirling above them and interacting with them. Uh, we didn't see that on the film. There was some just amazing footage that was taken that we never saw. And, and so we were asking him, look, you know, you've got the sound, two incredible sound recordings of these ships. You've got some really good footage. You were here when 
when uh, Paranormal State took that footage where the ship showed up in the east exactly when we said they would and where. They had the cameras aiming right exactly where we said they would appear, and they did. Mm-hmm. And and they had their uh, their computers on with J-Tracker and, you know, heavens above, making sure these weren't satellites or anything else. And these things flared up, and they lit the whole sky up and then made a nice turn and went down behind the trees. Mm-hmm. So these aren't meteors or satellites. And they had access to all of this footage, but we don't see it on their site. And, you know, I saw them also totally diss some other things like chemtrails and things like that, saying there's no physical evidence of these things. And, and, I'm, and I kept seeing it going downhill, and I go, what is wrong with these people? You know, like mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're, there's something seriously wrong there. But the uh, event here, if you talk to Robbie Williams, who was here, he saw so many ships. And Danny Dyer, he said he was on overload. You know, he said, I was on UFO overload. And he went everywhere around the world trying to see a ship, and he saw so many of them. So, so we don't know why, why this happened. That's something you'll have to take up with above top secret. We know what did happen, and, and everything was sanitized and, and pretty much dismissed. And there's one guy there, I can't remember his name. I think they call him Cracker or whatever. But uh, he picked up some uh, uh, night vision. There were military Russian, I think, tank goggles or whatever, military night vision. Mm-hmm. He looked up, and a ship flew right over his head. And he saw it, and he goes, oh, my God. He goes, it's a disc. It's a disc. And he threw the goggles down and ran back to his trailer and poured himself a stiff drink. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this, yeah. this is a little crazy for me, too. I mean, I'm watching this behavior, and I'm watching the really good stuff. You know, they had these experiences firsthand, but you didn't hear any of it. I mean, I can't figure out, you know, this this is what I say about a lot of these instances of big hotspots is either they get completely inundated with people or they um, or they they vanish into obscurity in one way or another. Now, I know that you in some months ago had uh, had said, essentially, I'm done with the UFO community. Uh, you know, I, I don't want anybody coming up here from this. I, I'm done. What 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 kind of prompted that? Was that by and large part of the uh, the same kind of disdain that that you're feeling from this community? Uh, exactly. I mean, basically, what happened is that I was shut out of a lot of the major conferences, and uh, you know, and and it just kept going on and on. I saw incredible censorship. I saw reporting centers actually run by military people that were NSA backgrounds and things like that, uh, totally suppressing it and making some pretty rude comments about what's happening here and actually changing reports to come and moving, you know, things that happened away from Mount Adams. So I just saw over and over uh, people that, you know, were card-carrying CFR members on boards that shouldn't be there, and, and then they would tout this, there's no new world order here, but... You know, apparently the the people that they have on their boards are, are you know, they're they're basically card carrying members. So uh, I just kept seeing over and over just the disinformation, the control, the censorship, and the massive egos in there. And I just said, I'm done. You know, people want to see it, come up and see it. Uh, mm-hmm. I do still do radio shows. I have two of my own shows, but. Uh, uh, there's a lot of other things that happen. I can go on and on, but I don't want to dwell on the negative. But it yeah, just yeah. happened, you know, over and over and over again to the point of I just said there isn't any avenue for this information to get out anymore and, and uh, in that community. And, and actually we're getting incredible results from mainstream right now. Okay. 
I mean, the only thing I can tell you is I looked around a lot today at a lot of the footage that that uh, has been out here and there. I haven't seen the the structured stuff that you're talking about on the website. That's something I missed today, just in the course of doing work at work, yeah. like I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I I often say when people do have written and asked me, you know, what do you think about uh, James's ranch? And I said, well, I don't know. I haven't been there. Uh, but certainly one thing that does strike me about a lot of the, the, the small lights traveling across the sky in a relatively normal way, uh, I don't say airplanes, uh, and I don't necessarily say satellites that we would know about. But one thing I can say about your place, at least from all of the photos, all of the, the videos that I've seen uh, of just your area, and it's beautiful, by the way, uh, is that I bet there's damn little light pollution there. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah. and so and so you know by virtue of that you're bound to see a lot more of uh, uh of what would normally be a, an odd occurrence for most people in a suburbanite area. Uh the, the fact that there's no light pollution you're going to see spy satellites that aren't on JTRAC and all of that. Um you know, I've not seen like the definitive you know, solid craft structured object thing. Is there a place or do you, uh, would you be able to send me some kind of, uh, uh, like what you feel is the most compelling thing ever as far as footage captured at your, at your ranch? Yeah, we do have several on the website. There's some metallic ships. They're a little fuzzy. They're not real clear because that's the nature of the situation. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, because of the frequency or the fields around them. But you can definitely see they are metallic ships. The majority of the things that we do have here are these enormous uh, light ships. One example is I had Steve Marino uh, with PSI applications, and it was kind of interesting. He came up here and he said, if you're not for real, I'll debunk you, you know. And I said, well, I think you need to go out in the field and meditate first, and then I'll get back to you. (laughs) But uh, he had two ships fly right over his head after that, and they powered up and flew right over his head. So we get these doubles. Uh, they come in together, too. There's nothing, you know, and they, they look bigger than the space station. They're coming in the wrong direction, you know, the space station, from, right. and we have all that information. We have the websites up. These things are massive, and they'll be coming at the, in the east at, you know, maybe 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. And, and these things are self-illuminated. They're not reflecting any light uh, because they're in the Earth's shadow. And when you take all the, the details and the facts down and look at it, there's, there's no way. These things are enormous lights. They spin around each other. They stop. And we have some turning and going back the other way. And, and what we see here, we get less than probably 1% on film, uh, you know, because the, the, you know, the witnesses that have seen these things, a lot of times they don't get them on. They're too shocked to even pick their camera up when it happens. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, not surprised at that at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you would but, stand a reason actually. Sometimes mm-hmm. that, that this stuff doesn't necessarily always play by the rules when it comes to. Yeah, we are getting. We are data. working on a live broadcast where we are going to hook up. Uh, we have it all set up now. We're hooking a camera up to third generation night vision, the military goggles, and mm. filming through that. And uh, so we'll be live streaming that pretty soon. We're we're in the process of finishing the, the little bugs on that, but we have it dialed in now. So. People can just pop on their computer and see what goes on here. Yeah, that'll be great to have that. Have you ever had anyone come to the ranch to stay for a weekend and have a profoundly 
fearful or negative experience at all? You know, not usually if somebody comes here, they already had those experiences and they come here to clear that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that usually gets taken away, you know, or, or we clear that out. And uh, uh, most people don't, the energy is so high here and there's a lot of protection here. We just don't really have that situation. But every once in a while somebody will come and they're already a mess, you know, and they feel the energy here and they'll just turn around and take off. Uh, hmm. Because they they don't want to heal whatever they're dealing with. I see. Yeah, Jerry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and actually, one of those people I think you were more than hinting at on your uh, the 2008 lecture I saw was uh, the nephew of George Bush. Is that right? Uh, yeah. No, he he did really well here. He loved the place, actually. Oh, he did. Okay. I thought I thought I thought it was the opposite. I, I missed. Yeah. That. No. No. He. Uh, you know, he had some lessons while he was here, some lessons in humility and things like that. But, you know, he got through his lessons and, and uh, you know, loved the place. So what, what are these, uh, what do people do to heal? What, is, what are the lessons? Is it all meditation? Is, is there something else going on? Like you said, information downloads. Is there, Yeah. is that part well, of it? Well, yeah, what we do is we do several things here. We do some very ancient practices uh, that are Yigong and uh uh, it's like a qigong, uh, but it's or nagong. There's different types of this, but a lot of it is is uh, focusing on on consciousness and energy and letting your energy channels open. And a lot of healing comes through that. We do process oriented therapies where we sit down and bring in the energy, and then we and I have an ability where I can read somebody's books and and I can go through their life and pull their patterns out where they had trauma or or whatever and hit that pattern and clear it, and it clears very quickly. And then also connect them into their other things that happened in their life that they have other connections to or other systems. So uh, there's a lot of different modalities going on here, and we, we have scientists and healers and teachers from all over the world coming here doing lectures and workshops, and, and uh, you know I think it's up to the individual to pick whichever modality works for them. Do the beings give any new useful information they do uh yeah when people leave here they have their own contact going they have their own information coming to them and and that's what it's all about is empowering the individual and they get a lot of personal things and and lately we're having we have two just recent cases of cancer just disappearing completely disappearing with people and and thyroid you know problems where they're on heavy medication, all of a sudden their thyroid just balances itself out with no explanation and tumors disappearing and things like that. So a lot of good things are happening here, uh, you know, with these contacts and with the land and, and whatever else is going on. There's so many levels to it. But it's up to the individual what they experience here. I, I always tell them I don't take blame or credit for anything. It's between you and spirit, whatever happens, and I'm just here to facilitate, you know, uh, Something good, hopefully. So, are, are all these beings on the same page with what it, what spirit means? Pretty much, yeah. I would say they they all uh, have a completely different concept of of you know they don't have God as a little old man with a beard with lightning bolts you know waiting to punish anybody that steps out of his rule book. Uh, they don't run that program. Uh, there are a lot of different beings out there that have reached extremely high levels of consciousness and uh, uh, 
that are assisting that some would revere as gods, you know, just like, like the people in ancient times. You know, a lot of our history has encounters with some very advanced beings, and some were benevolent, and, and there were some low-level contacts that weren't so benevolent. But, you know, that's all in the history books. I was on a message board, and I think it was ATS, where people were saying that uh, they were sort of um, disregarding you at this point because uh, they said you were working with Greer, uh, which I thought was not true. Is that true? Are you working with Greer? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but he, he did come to the ranch. Yeah, he did. He did come to the ranch quite a while ago, and he did an ambassador training. And um, at, at what point did you get sick of him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'll leave that one alone. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, we aren't just let's say we aren't working with Greer. <laughs> Well, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Well, when someone uh, like Greer, who comes in and has their own sweeping idea of how things work and what all of this stuff is, when someone like that comes to the ranch, I mean, it, is it a clash of thought there? I mean, do, do, you, do you get along with those types of people, or does everybody sort of cling to what they think is going on? How does that sort of work? Most of the people that come here are very intelligent, and they can sense, you know, things when things are true and when they're not and they sense when egos are run amok they they can see through that stuff and so i just leave it up to the people and if they come and ask me i'll comment on it and just say well trust your inner guidance you know if you're feeling this isn't right for you then it's probably not but uh you know it's uh i think it's really important to not really talk about yourself so much but talk about you know the information and empower people to have their own contact uh you know, sitting six days with somebody talking just about their program and themselves and what they've done, it gets a little uh, little tough on you. you know? Right. So what's it like for you? Uh, you make it a point to say over and over again, I'm not the guru, I'm a nobody and, and all of that, mm-hmm. but people must still to this day uh, approach you with, you know, that, that sort of twinkle in their eye, <laughs> like this is the one oh, yeah. who knows and all that. How do you deal with other people's issues uh, i'm sure that must come up a lot for you at that ranch i mean how do you how do you deal with people just in being a centered person and seeing uh, what i'm sure are a lot of out of touch people coming to you for guidance you know basically uh you know anybody here at the ranch will tell you i'm a very very earthy guy you know and uh i do things to dismiss that right away so if they come with that guru look in their eye they're usually uh they all usually do something that pretty much kills that right away. But uh, it's something we're very intent on here. We we just don't allow it. We don't allow worship outside yourself, and we, we inspire people to keep their discernment and uh, and trust their own inner guidance and, and work on those levels. Uh, we don't, you know, if people ask us questions, we say, well, this is our experience, but, you know, there's always more to the story. I'm still stuck on on one thing, just to back up for a second. Why why is it that we have to uh, rely on on pictures? Why do we have to rely on photos and then believe, have a belief about it? Why can't they just, I mean, again, it's the pedestrian thing of why don't they just land? Why don't they? Well, people go, why don't they land on the White House lawn? And and that's a no-brainer. You know, there's no intelligent life there. And, and, uh, you know, they haven't met the criteria of pure intent, open mind, and loving heart. And we've all seen that. So, I mean, they're looking for people of high integrity that are service-oriented, and they're they're doing it on their terms, basically. And, and, you know, I always tell people, people are trying to control this, and they're saying, you know, 
you know, I can command a contact or I can command a ship to come down and things like that. And they asked me to do that, you know, to summon the ships. And I just, I started laughing. I think it's funny. I said, you don't, you don't summon these beings. I said, you invite them and you're damn lucky if they show up. It just doesn't work that way. But, you know, we have to, to deal with this without ego and, and with a high respect and regard and, and be grateful for, for what we do get, basically, because it's not, this isn't for everyone. And, uh, People will grab onto this information and misuse it and try to create a following or, or things like that or capitalize on it and things of that nature. And, and so we really stress on that, that, that this, you know, we don't have a membership. Uh, we don't have anybody paying uh, membership dues or anything else, and I've stayed away from that. And there's no following here. It's just like-minded people coming to check things out. How has your uh, your views on the, all of this stuff, how has it changed over the years? I mean, where are you I, now as opposed to where you were when you were first confronted by this larger reality? Well, when it, I, I had experiences ever since I was a kid, and my parents came from New Mexico, so that should clue you in on that one, and they were involved in that situation. So, and my dad had always seen the ships, but he never talked about it. But every once in a while, he'd pull me outside and he'd say, look, and he'd point up and there'd be, you know, five light ships flying right together. And uh, that happened several times. And so, but he never talked about it, really. He just pointed out and said, look, you know, and we just accepted it. Being raised in the high desert, we saw things flying around up there all the time that, that we couldn't explain. So... So as far as, but when my first, I had my first encounter, it turned my world upside down because I I felt the most loving, joyous, present, makes you almost giddy when you feel their energy and they were telepathically talking to me. And I thought I was talking to some kind of angelic presence or a really high being. And and then they told me they were on a ship. And so that turned my reality upside down and, and I thought I was losing it. And I went to go outside to get grounded, you know, and start planting some trees or something. And, and my sisters came up banging on the door and some of their friends and asked me if I saw it. And I said, see what? And there was a ship hovering right over the ranch here. Hmm. You said Ros- they were into Roswell? They were somehow involved in Roswell, your parents? Yeah, yeah. My grandmother and my grandfather owned the hardware store there, and they sold the Swinsons a lot of their farm equipment. And they knew the foreman, is it Frizzell or Frazzle? I'm not Frazzle. sure how to say it. Frazzle, whatever. And they knew them really well, and also the sheriffs, the first responders, uh, went to my grandmother to talk to her because she was the the um, kind of like the patriarch of the town. She was the school teacher, and and everybody knew her. And she said that they couldn't even hold a cup of coffee; they were shaking so much. And she said they're white. Uh, she said they're white as a ghost, and their whole world was just turned upside down. And and uh, they said they couldn't tell her much, but they said that we're not alone, and and uh, and they just need to talk to somebody about it, you know. But uh, you know, they said we can't tell you too much, but but there it was right after they went out and and responded, you know, to what happened out there. So she, you know, my grandmother said these these boys are honest as the day is long. They're good old boys and salt of the earth. And he said they they were badly shaken up and she found out later talked to them later and they told her told her the rest of the story but you know they also told her you know you cannot breathe a word of this to anybody so hmm. 
Um, I want to go back to the bouncing ball of light that bounced into your chest. Which if I can, if I can interject one thing here, sure. I just thought I'd throw this out. Did everyone hear the noise that just occurred while James was talking? Mm-mm. Did you, Jeremy? No. Or what was I, ha- it? I had the door latched. I had it latched and shut, <laughs> and it came unlatched and opened with no help. Oh, I heard a door open. I thought that was on James's end. <laughs> no, that was my end. Huh. <laughs> yeah, just throwing is- that in there. <laughs> well, there you that go. does happen. I hope your equipment stays together because sometimes they uh, they play <laughs> havoc on equipment. Yeah, we've got a lot of weird stuff in this house, James. You have no idea. <laughs> well, what I wanted to ask is when something bounces into your chest, does that mm-hmm. freak you out? Are you expecting this? Like, what is your re- reaction to that? Yeah. And what did it actually do? Well, what happened, this is the interesting part, and, and this is, you know, there's I can't really prove any of this because I, I couldn't film it or anything, but I was actually in the bathtub. And I was meditating. I do a lot of my meditation work in the bathtub because it's a very safe, warm place, and you can totally relax and, and connect and, you know, zip out a body now and then. So but, wait a second. Uh, You've got this giant <laughs> land of beauty and myth and lore, <laughs> and you prefer the bathtub to meditate? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I was in the bathtub, and, and I was in my head. I was meditating. I was talking, and, I, and telepathy, I was sending it out there, and I, and I was telling them that I was fed up with what was going on there, all the little balls of light flying around and, and you know, way up in the sky and, and nothing tangible. And I just said, I'm, I, I want to know what this is about. Why does this concern me? What's my purpose in this? And, uh, and like everybody else, you know, I was just saying, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, there's lights up there. You're zipping around doing crazy maneuvers and everything else. But so what? You know, like this is getting old. And, uh Next thing you know, this beam comes right through the wall and hits me square in the chest. And it was a gold beam of light. And then three gold balls came down the beam and hit me in the chest. And, and they explained to me later what that was. But they, they told me my memories were returned to me, all of my memories. And uh, those balls of light had consciousness and energy in them. And, and all of a sudden they had a rapid replay of all the different lives I've had. And it was it was just just amazing and then the next thing you know they pulled me out of body up on the ship and had a talk with me and then sent me back so there's a lot more than just a dancing ball you know there's a lot more that happened in that experience well i'll I'll tell you what james i mean i know we're we're kind of running short on time here but i just want to say that um uh i'm definitely going to take a look at at more of your stuff and i'm going to probably email you for some questions and whatnot over the, the – I mean, I hope you'll come back at, at some point onto the show and, and talk about wh- whatever we come over here and, uh, and check out. But I can um, – j- just in the course of this hour of talking to you, I can, I can genuinely hear why ufology doesn't care for you. <laughs> uh, because I'll tell you, I, I, and this is it, I think ufology looks for a scared – upset, uh, frightened by this phenomena kind of person mm-hmm. or a person who is completely neutral in, in the sense of uh, whatever they choose to call this or however they choose to call it. And you d- decidedly, I mean, I'm going to say this to you with all respect. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you draw a lot of conclusions that I would not. And, and I wouldn't say that I'm like the most comfortable guy in the world when it comes to some of the terminology that you use. Mm-hmm. But 
that's your perception. It's your reality of dealing with and, and, and seeing these things and experiencing these things. And I don't think anybody can take that away from you. But in this community, I think when people hear that, they immediately clam up and say, he's a raving new ager and I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, because often the, the terminology and the language, which Jeremy and I have talked a lot about language on this show and, mm-hmm. and how to describe these things and describe experiences that you can't really qualify. I mean, those things happen a lot. That, that terminology is everything. And, uh, and when people hear even something as innocuous as energy or anything to do with spirituality at all, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people within ufology just completely clam up. Well, this is physics. I mean, basically, I can explain it to them on a physics, a straight mm-hmm. physics level if they want. And we've had phys- physicists out here that have had these experiences. And, and uh, you know, Brooks Agnew was here, uh, Renato Lungato and John Riley, who is a Lockheed engineer, were here at the last conference mm-hmm. after an intention experiment. And the ship flew right over the building, and they all filmed it. So we have, you know, 200 witnesses that were involved in the experiment walking outside seeing this incredible pinkish-orange light ship fly right over the building mm-hmm. and, and multiple cameras on it and several videos of it. So when you have evidence like that, yeah. then, you know, how do you argue that? And, and if, you know, I can't really apologize for having a greater understanding of the phenomena, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, the way I see it is that I can just share what I know and people can do with it what they wish. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh... Well, and when you say intention experiment, is that the intent of wanting to see something, focusing your intent on a desire for such as a sighting of some sort? Is that how that more or less works? Exactly. And I did one on Coast to Coast, actually, and they had their lines just shut down. They said they had so many phone calls and so many sightings Mm -hmm. and so many emails that it just basically shut them down. And and, uh, it kind of blew Art's mind, and that was one of his last... uh, one of his, his last appearances, you might say, on Coast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say, I mean, for my money, I think you're, and this is strictly, again, my filter going through things like this. is like, yeah, I totally agree with you that there's a lot to do with the focus of intent with this phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and essentially, it, you know, for me, it's it's been everything in my own experiences uh, have been it, it pretty much following in line with as much focus or as much strength of thought that I put to focusing on the phenomena. What is it asking these bigger questions that aren't necessarily like, what are they made of or where do they come <laughs> from or the bigger things like, what is this all about? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what do they want? What 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 am I here for? What what is that? What is my relationship to that, and why? You know, that's those more kind important of in my book. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of coincided routinely with. You mentioned someone talking about overload. I mean, for a good few years, my life was a three ring circus with this stuff, and uh, uh, and I think focus of intent is a big big deal with this. Um, and luckily, I think you're in a spot where you may have a lot of things working for you as far as uh, as sightings go. I, you know, you've got the low light level pollution. You've got mm-hmm. a beautiful rural area, um, somewhat secluded, I would gather. There's um, a long history here, too, that, yeah. uh, with, with Kenneth Arnold actually lost sight of the ships when they landed on the western slopes of Mount Adams. And, and G- Dr. J. Allen Hynek, uh, David Akers, Greg I think it was Greg Long, Bill Vogel, all those guys have done research up here, and 
and the Native Americans know all about it. They they go in depth into it. So, mm, very uh, interesting. Long history of activity here. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, you got anything else before we blast away? Uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us a bit about your DVD and uh, where people can get it, uh, so that doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they actually came out here and made a movie. Uh, uh, John Savage and uh, Michael Knight are the producers of it with uh, Dreams Come True TV, and it's called Contact Has Begun. And uh, it gives the whole story about the event and shows some of the footage, and it talks about the shifts and changes that we're going through in the future, and, and a lot of that is unfolding right now that's actually in the movie. But it, it goes very in-depth to the whole process and, and uh, you know, shows the black helicopters flying over and all the other things going on, too, as well. So, so it's it's quite a, a exciting life here that's going on. That's all I can say. But uh, yeah, they can get it through. You can actually go to Netflix. It's on Netflix, or you can go to uh, eSETI.org and go to the website and get it there. There's several other places that are carrying it, but that's the best place to go to the website. And then there you can get any of the books or the other DVDs or the talks of all the other uh, internationally known speakers and and uh, around the world are all on the website. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess finally, do you uh, give us a little insider baseball here? How how are we doing in at the fork in the road? Which way are we uh, <laughs> leaning? Do you think? You know, I I I I'm trying to think really positive, but you know, when I see these Gulf oil things and things like that, I just go, my God, when are people going to get it? And then I see the news, mainstream news on, hey, come jump in the ocean, you know, no problem. And then you see. Uh, uh, James Fox interview where and he sends me things where the the water is 150 times more toxic than necessary to kill all the fish and the water samples. Uh, it's it's pretty sad I think where we're going and I, but I do have hope and I think we can turn things around. But we just need a huge influx of integrity and courage to come into this planet for people to stand up and just say enough. And uh, do, do these beings have? Well, I guess 2012 is is sort of the date, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're building up. I mean, we're going to be seeing them. They're showing up everywhere around the world right now, but it, it's, it's going to be in mass real soon. I don't know the exact date, uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be so obvious that, uh, you know, you can't, won't be able to deny it. It'll, it'll be a global event. That they're here, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. The, the real disclosure is going to come from the skies, basically. Well, and, if, you know, if that happens, uh, what... <laughs> What meaning will people ascribe to that? I mean, is is it going to happen at a point where everyone's sort of ready for that to happen, or will we get into ready mode once it happens? I mean, or will it just be complete chaos? I mean, what what happens when that happens? Well, I think it's it's already building up to that point. I, mean, I read a Time CNN poll, which they dismissed. I don't know, but I saw the numbers on it, and eighty six percent of the people said that the UFOs do exist and there is a government cover up. So, I think eighty at least eighty six percent of the people are going to go. Oh my God, this is real, and and that's what people do. Even people in the ufology, they come here. They've been in the field for years and years and years. But when it's in your face, they they go into shock at first. They don't even pick their cameras up or anything. It's amazing, and and then when it's real. But I think when they do start showing themselves, and you know they're they're doing it in China and O'Hare and all these other places. Things are happening, and people are seeing it. And and Mexico is crazy. There are so many ships, you know, flying over Mexico right now and Brazil. 
but uh, you know, it's it's going to just continue to increase. And I think a good idea would be to stop greeting them aggressively and stop shooting at them because, in the interest of national security, that's a no-brainer. You don't start shooting at beings that are thousands of years ahead of you in technology and evolution. But uh, if we stopped, uh, you know, greeting them aggressively and trying to shoot them down, we would start having uh, contact, and they would be able to come in and assist us, you know, in many of these challenges that we're, we have facing us today. Well, James, thank you very much for doing the show. And um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to be asked? Uh, how about an invitation to come up and see it for yourself? Ah, really? You're throwing that out there? Yeah, yeah. Bring your cameras up. Bring all your gear up. Excellent. Yeah, we'll we'll set that up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, we're open to anybody that, that's serious, that really wants to, you know, do some serious research here, and, and people have. And, and the sad thing about it is some people did come up here and did some serious research, and then they sanitized it and, and you know, altered everything, which, which pretty much established their character, not ours. Right. Well, we certainly uh, are unsanitary? No. <laughs> I don't want to that um, but yeah, we, we would, I, I would love to take you up on that offer. Sure. Um, thank you very yeah. much. We'll definitely throw you an email for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, We just had Hendrix with red eyes just left here and he got to see some things and, and, uh, the Veritas show, uh, uh, he was just here and he had his mind totally blown. So you ought to give them a call and ask them what they experienced. Will do. Thank you very yeah. much. All right. James Gillen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the last hour of your life. All right, thank you. <laughs> Take care. All right, bye. Bye-bye now. Hi, this is Ted Phillips, and you're listening to Paratopia. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it, we take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Hey kids, it's Jeremy, and in case you have not heard the news, I am now also co-hosting The Black Fridays with Stacey Lowry. So, when I'm not here on Fridays for Paratopia, I'm at The Black Fridays on Sunday for The Black Fridays. Wait, what? Anyway, theblackfridays.net is where you can find me on Sundays with co-host Stacey Lowry doing this, but to broader subject material, like... Atlantis and stuff. Although we haven't done Atlantis yet. Crap, are we going to do Atlantis? So the Jeff. So the Jer. I guess this is the part of the show where we're supposed to come out and bash James Gilliland and tell everyone what a fraud he is and how he was a real estate man and now he's still selling us real estate.
by way of this ranch. Is that what we're supposed to do? And then we trash him? <laughs> I, uh, well, I would think there's going to be a percentage of the audience that thinks we should go that way. Huh. Uh, interesting. What's the way we're going to go? Well, I'm I'm not inclined to uh, to say that. I mean, as I told him during the interview, I think that I think that the reason, or one of the reasons, probably that ufology has kind of made him the the bastard stepchild is that it's the terminology that he uses. It's the way that he processes what's going on in that. Uh, I don't know. He, he he tries to define things, and and by you know going and looking these things up, he defines them based on that. It seems. It seems to me that's the way I took it. Like I said, I mean, I had a look at his website, and there are some photographs on there. If you go to the ESETI website, uh, which is scary, by the way, of how close it sounds to CSETI. <laughs> yes, coincidence. And ESETI. Yeah, when I looked at some of the photographs on there, I mean, there are some interesting ones on there that are daylight that seem to show some weird things. Um, but they're very small JPEGs that I couldn't really get a great look at. But still, I mean, it, they're interesting nonetheless. Um, do I do I see anything there that's humongous structured things? No, I don't. Uh, so. I mean, that leaves me wanting a little bit uh, for, for that. See, I think this whole focus on photographs and video, especially that, that even he concentrated on on the show and kept trying to bring it back to that. Like, no, no, you mm-hmm. got to look at the footage yeah. and you'll come here and take the... I don't, we don't care about that. I mean, really, here's what I cared about. When you said that, that your door had unlatched and his right. response was, well, that'll happen and you might want to check out your electrical equipment too because they like <laughs> to play with that. Well, that's something that when the electrical equipment is played with, men right. like you and I will uh, look at each other and go, oh, my God, what is this? Isn't this poltergeist-like activity creepy? And he looks at that right. and goes, oh, that's the aliens being playful. So right. we're talking about the same thing. He's not not talking about those things. He's just putting a different spin on it. And I wonder, you know, is right. that so bad? I mean, and then I think about... I mean, it's outlandish to me to to think about a, a light council or whatever from a, you know an Orion council or a Pleiadian, right. whatever, whatever, and that these beings are here because right. they care about us personally and all that. But is that any different, I ask of you, than me having a giant I am experience at the end of which a woman says, do we humans not understand that other planets cannot help us if we continue to block them out and kill ourselves? Is it any right. different than a man coming into your room and calling you to the living room and sitting you down and telling you that in fact most of your personal issues are the problem and that you right. have to deal with your <laughs> personal issues and then saying some of the same sorts of things that that I think Gilliland would agree with uh yeah I mean you know are, is this just different spins on the same thing uh just being filtered differently through different people with different well. temperaments yeah, I think I think the operative word there is filter. Uh, I think that he's got a much different way of of looking at this. And I might I might also point out that when I asked him had anyone had like a really negative experience there and he said no, it's probably cuz when you go to his place uh and, and remember what I've said about this so, so many times is like uh you know, we're going to be having uh Nick Redfern on who's just written this great book about 
the the whole satanic angle with uh, ufology and and some sort of covert little operation that was the color that's convinced. right uh, and all of that. I mean, again, and I've said a lot of times that uh, you know back, good lord, uh, twelve thirteen years ago. I mean, that was kind of like where I had arrived to. Uh, up up to the current time, it's like, man, you know, this really does look like demonic, even though we don't know what that means. And I've spoken on this before, where you talk about somebody like Dorothy Izot, who has positive experiences until somebody puts a negative spin on it, and then she has negative experiences, and then she has to recenter herself to the positive in order to have positive experiences with it. And so you have to wonder, if someone goes to, to, to uh, the, the, the ranch... Are they so surrounded by people uh, with positive intentions and positive focuses towards this that 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 it presents its way itself in a completely different way? I mean, it does present uh, a reflection of a seemingly. Uh, I mean, this is. I mean, again, I'm I'm completely theorizing here, but it it seems to fit with my own stuff and things I've heard with other people that it seems to reflect back what you think of it, or it seems to answer or mirror those things. And so if it's mirroring what it's seeing at the ranch, it's all positive. And so therefore, James is going to paint it with, and here it comes, Jer, he's going to paint it with the unicorn hair brush. (laughs) I've been waiting all day to say that. Uh, I mean, because really, you go to James's site, and it's all purple and black, and there's a painting on the front of, uh, you know, the, the these peaceful-looking beings and all of that. I mean, it's all well and good, and, and that is the way that they treat it. That's and therefore, that's why they have positive experiences with it, and why there's not people shrieking and running for cover. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm seeing him come from, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And again, let's go back. I God knows how many episodes it's been now. Um, let's go back to when I was telling people on our board. Look, you have to ignore the terminology sometimes, and look at how people are expressing themselves, interacting with something unknown. Uh, and this is how James uh, basically relates this experience and i still think that there's value there i i i i'm not comfortable with the terminology and i told him so you know i mean well the value value there is exactly what he said which is uh this land had this stuff going on before i acquired it it's a well-known hot spot i mean that's it so whatever filter you put on that hot spot is what's going to come through i guess is what we're contending hypothetically anyway um yeah and why not good instead of bad? Why wouldn't you want Santa and not Satan? Yeah. <laughs> um, but nice. what, what I found uh, interesting, I, a couple of things in the we, – we talked to him for a while after the show, uh, mm-hmm. and a couple of things came up. One is he had talked about some new group of like feline uh, entities coming to the ranch and that he then had to look it up and see what – you know, the lore is around that. I think I'm getting that right. If, right. I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think you're right. Yeah. I wish he'd said during the show, because I'd asked him, are, is this mostly from your experience or is this stuff that you've read? And he'd said, well, people send me stuff to read all the time and I don't read it. But I think the, the sort of truthier truth here is that 
uh, he has his own experiences and he has people tell him things that are happening to them on the ranch. And it all goes into this salad uh, that he presents as what's going on at the ranch, whether it's been verified by his own experience or not. And if he reads about it, say, Interdimensional Pleiadians, if you find that in Google and then look at the lore, well, then you've got the backstory to that. So I think just my own personal opinion, when he presents, you know, the Terrence McKenna dilemma of having too much information, isn't that what he says about ufology? You, yeah, everybody presents, claims too much information. Every, yeah, well, I think I think part of the problem of claiming too much information is not is not saying up front, well, this is what I've studied, this is what people have told me, they've seen, and this is what my experiences are. And I think when you right. put them all in a smorgasbord like that and say, this is what's going on, well, of course, people are going to come to you and start seeing you as a guru, you know, if, if well, that's, number one, yes. if he, if yeah. that's part of his problem is people seeing him as a guru and he doesn't want that. Of course, they're going to, you know, because yeah. you claim to have this knowledge that you're not differentiating the sources of. And can we also say that in the sense of like you liken it to a salad, when you're presenting that, you can talk all you want to about. You know, all these people with the alphabet soup on the end of their name coming to your ranch and seeing some very strange things and being bewildered by it. That's important to say. I I mean, granted, I think that's important to say. But when you dice up Michael Sala, Wendell Stevens. (laughs) Right. When you put all of these elements into it, uh, that's where it becomes a problem. (laughs) Well, because ultimately you get tarred with the same brush. I mean, you know, I mean, long ago, this is what Heineck told uh, Dorothy Izot, you know, stay away from the fringe because you'll be all be tarred with the same brush. Stay, stay to yourself. And, and I, and I think James in the, the notion that he takes of this open door policy, I think, unfortunately, as many good people as he's had up there wanting to critically examine what's going on, uh, and he's completely open to that, uh, which is very much to his credit, in my opinion. You're also going to get Michael the, the less desirable, <laughs> I would say. Uh, well, here's the, less the thing. Des- I mean, I, I almost like I'm hoping that James is listening to this because I almost kind of want to like tell him, you know, like, p- please, please. Like when you're you're saying like we've had whatever it is, Boeing engineers and NASA people and they stayed for six months because they couldn't get enough and they came here to debunk it and all of that you can't stay there you stay on that don't that's then, all you need don't yeah. then go to and any exopolitical person will swear that they because once you say that <laughs> then you right everybody the turns off ridiculous yeah right everybody turns off and i feel uh, like you know that might be i mean this gets into the streber problem of not knowing who these people are and taking them at their word which is something right. that streber gets in trouble for all the time on uh, the net with uh, listeners, um, you can't take these people at their word. They're they're awful, awful men. <laughs> <laughs> Many of them, uh, in your opinion, uh, yeah, well, in yeah. my opinion, no. In fact, they're <laughs> awful, awful men, and I stand, and and this represents me and not Jeff Ritzman. So send your lawsuits my way. Um, but I mean, all you need to do is look at again Chet the Alien from the Examiner dot com. Right. Ridiculous. Uh, I mean, yeah, they just present ridiculous, you know, inquiring minds want to know type stuff. And um, you don't need that at your ranch, James. You really don't. Um, But I I, again, you know, anytime I want to say, well, this is preposterous. He invited us. In fact, not only did he invite us to the ranch, he said the one question he wanted us to ask was, can we come to the ranch? 
Right. As I said, was there any uh-huh. question you wanted to be asked? So that to me implies that he really does believe that this stuff is real. So he's not, I don't think he's lying is, is what I'm getting no. at. No, I, I don't either. Uh, so I would love to go to the ranch. I mean, man, I would too. Yeah. 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 I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, I and mean, maybe in hell, maybe I'll meet a freaking alien from the Orion council and be like, Oh, I was wrong. <laughs> and then I'll come back I, on the show and be like, nah, that wasn't a cultural filter. That was actually an alien from Orion's belt <laughs> coming here to do the work. Whatever. And you'll be painting pictures with a unicorn hairbrush. <laughs> I don't care. I want to be. Well, do I want to be afraid of this? I mean, come on. Do I want to be this to be a big mystery forever? Eventually, right, I right. want my unicorn brush. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, clearly something's going on there. And I hold true to the nature of the people coming there uh, most likely are not used to seeing a sky unfettered with light pollution from a nearby city. Uh, You probably do, let's admit, you probably do see a lot more satellites, a lot more, uh, you know, astronomical bodies up there that you would not see in a suburban area. And and I still think that that may account for part of what they see there. However, some of the things that I look at on the website, in as much as there are ones on there that I go, hmm, that is interesting. There are other ones that are birds, and I don't just mean I think they're birds. I can see wings, beaks, tails. They're birds, okay? So I think there might be a slight lack of discernment. Yeah. But but, but let's qualify that by saying if you're inundated by this stuff up there, as as he said, and not only just him but other people who have gone to – you know, see what's going on there, have been blown away by what they've seen, then it it almost makes sense that you would get a little jumpy to conclusions when it comes to what you're seeing. Well, that's got to be them because it did this and uh, and it did that. But you can't get overwhelmed and oversensitized to, to this to where, I mean, I, I think I've spoken before of a guy in Scranton, PA, that he was seeing UFOs on a nightly basis, had never seen anything in his life, and was seeing very strange stuff on a night or nightly basis. And when I went up there to stand beside him and look, he was pointing out airplanes. I mean, there were very clearly airplanes to the point where you would hear, <laughs> I mean, like, it's an airplane. No, that's them. That's them. I'm like, no, that's a fucking airplane. I think you can easily lose discernment. And so I think... James has some interesting photographs on there that I would love to look at more, and there are some on there that to me are clearly birds. And much of what I saw on Above Top Secret, when they came back from their little jaunt out there, I looked at it and I go, it's bugs, birds, and like dandelion fairies floating across, you know, and I don't mean literal fairies. I We always called them fairies. Did you call them fairies? Like, I think we called them like will-o'-the-wisps or something. Wisps. Yeah, little wisp. The, 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 little, the little plant, uh, you know ejaculations uh, <laughs> were, were floating across the screen. I mean, that's it's clearly what they were. So I didn't see anything that really impressed me out of what they captured there. I, you know, I, it's a really interesting thing to me that it is exactly what I've talked about before is like this always an escape hatch. There's always a way out, you know, 
James paints with a unicorn brush. Uh, some of the stuff's birds. Some of it's not. We've got guys coming here who are top of their field aeronautics engineers, and on the other hand, we've got you know Stephen Greer. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, you've got this really like man from one extreme to the other, you know. So I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly seems interesting. I would love to go there, but it, any way you cut it, uh, James Gillian is it seems to be a a fairly open guy. And is all too eager to have people come up there and take a look at what's going on. So how can you fault that? You can't fault that. You can't fault that. In putting a a webcam out there, which is something that you and I have toyed with the the idea of doing with our own places. So he's actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And uh, because right now the only one that I actually watch is the the Hess Dahlen uh, cam that they have set up, which has been – Rolling on out every once in a while, I'll flip that? that on at night and watch that. I don't know what that is. Well, is that the two cute little uh, panda bears that play with each other in the China Zoo? Jeff, I didn't know. No, is that your unicorn brush? But we'll save it because <laughs> I, I'm trying to get somebody on from this. That the Hestalon phenomena is is uh, is light phenomena that that occurs a lot uh, over a particular area, and they've set up a webcam to to kind of document this online it's always available it's always out there i'll throw a link up and people can look at it they can read about it i don't want to go too much into it here because i'm trying to recruit somebody to come on the show and talk about the whole thing because it's fascinating but uh but yeah i mean that would be great for james to put up a webcam there and uh and that way we could all sit at home and watch and see what we see now what do you make of uh who was it mark anthony who's the singer that went out there Oh, Mark Anthony. <laughs> is his name? Um, Ricky Martin. Hold on. Millennium. His name's Robbie Robertson. Uh, Robbie Williams. That's it. Robbie Williams. That's you're, it. You're thinking of Robbie the robot. So, what do you make of the biggest mystery of all? Robbie Williams uh, singing Beatles songs when clearly he's a famous, uh, award-winning singer-songwriter. Doesn't everybody like the Beatles? Good point. I like the Beatles. <laughs> you waited all that time for that. <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure out the name so I can make that joke. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, he's clearly got a, a keen interest, eh? I mean... Um, well, he's had some things happen to him, but what do you make of the yeah. the, the ATS? Uh, I mean, did, did you get a hold of Mark Allen or even Johnny Anonymous to see if he was miraculously healed? Uh, no, I I wrote Mark Allen today about uh, about coming on. I have sent the invitation. I I, I told him basically a, a roundabout summary of what was said. You know, and I admitted I said right to him in the email. I said, you know, and I also mentioned that you know I had done a lot of image work for you guys, just cases big and small, all the way down the line for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, this came up, and I didn't get footage sent to me on this, and. Uh, I was told I would, but it never showed up. So I mentioned that during the interview. I thought it was a little odd. Would you like to come on and talk about what you guys experienced and, and what your conclusions were? Because uh, I would love to get his side too. Uh, so I have sent that invitation out, and we'll see if he um, see if he wants to come on. I'm I'm sure he's very busy right now, but I haven't heard back yet. But I would love to. Yeah, I mean, it seemed that they were pretty gung ho about what they had gotten at first, uh, even on their forum, right? Yeah. And then yeah, somewhere along yeah, the way, I mean, it all went south. But it seemed like a relationship breakup more than anything. 
Well, I don't know. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of middle of the road about it because I honestly don't know what uh, what transpired there. But I, I know that they devoted a great deal of effort to getting the films that they shot up onto the web, uh, up onto the boards. Um, talked about it quite a lot. Um, Johnny Anonymous, uh, former I guess former host of the ATX, ATS Mix show. Uh, I did write him at one point, and he said that he had given Mark a a DVD to give to me at, I think, Culture Contact. And so I wasn't there for that, but I would have thought he would have given it to you or something or sent it. or. But I, I've never Nobody was it. there for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, the bottom line is I never got it, so I don't know. I would uh, – I've watched just about all of them that they've put up on the web, and I don't – like I said, I didn't see anything there that was uh, compelling at all for for ufological things. Well, you know what's um, funny is um, in the like I said, uh, I had watched this 2008 lecture that he gave, and that came equipped with slides. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, James is telling you what you're seeing, so he's saying, you know, this patch of darkness here is a ultra terrestrial being, or whatever it is, you know, is a an ancient right. being. He said. Uh, so you'd see fog and then you'd see the patch of darkness because fog is not uniform. And so that darkness is supposed to be a being. And I, and I'm watching this and going, this is, I'm just not believing this. Uh, but then Mm. there are certain things that are light patterns that don't look like orbs and they don't look like any other light patterns. And it looks like people are seeing them. And this is like at the part where like standing elk is there and he's saying, um, this is what the Native Americans say are their ancestors. Huh. I found that interesting because those did seem anomalous, and here you have this sort of almost Native American endorsement of it. Uh, so I thought that right. that was interesting, and I believe Jody Heckman, who we need to thank for setting us up with uh, Mr. Gilliland, yes. um, he wanted to come and do a little intro to this, but he's unfortunately has to work really well for 48 hours straight. I was going to say really late, but that's actually above and beyond really late. But he, I haven't looked at it yet, unfortunately, but he sent me um, a CD with his photos from up there. And I believe he said some of them are that, are what the Native Americans call, you know, they're dead, you know, huh. their their spirits. So did, did he that, relate to you any of his sighting experiences? I mean, did he see anything beyond a light that would move erratically or? Well, Jody was in the military, so he now he knows our temperament. So he feels that he has to preface everything with like, don't think I'm crazy. But and then here's my resume. Uh, okay. So he's saying, you know, I was in the military. I have not a lot of flight training, but about 10 hours. I know what different satellites look like. I know what different things look like. And I'm telling you that even if some of these things look like satellites on video or on photo, you have to be there to see them because they are not satellites. This is what he's trying okay. to impress in me. Um, now, of course, I'm All not right. you, so I wouldn't know a satellite from a UFO at this point. I mean, beyond oh, like huh. normal thing. Like when, when I saw the triangular pattern, I mean, I would have assumed that that was something special. I didn't realize satellites flew in triangulated form. Yeah, triads, yeah. Yeah, tried satellite. Uh, so that shows what I know. I don't know anything. Um, so I'm the wrong person to actually have the CD. So I'll have to bring it to you or send it to you. But uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but he said that well, not only did he have neato experiences and photos, but his sister, who was the one who really, really wanted to go, um, ended up bringing it back with her, essentially hearing voices 
<laughs> she ended up hearing a lot of chatter huh. and things like this. And she went to someone, I don't know if it was a psychic or, or, or what it was, but it was someone who said, I don't know what happened to you, but all of your chakras are open up and you're not ready for this. So I'm going to do something to close them because all of them are open at once and you're having an influx of like a medium of different spirits who can sense you and are trying to come through you and talk to you. And that's why you're hearing these voices. And so I'm going to shut that off What? and then shut that off for her. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. And that makes me wonder about when I was first going through this and I had, you know, this energy experience and I was having what I was calling Claire audio, which was hearing a bunch of babbling people that I couldn't quite make out. Maybe that's what that was, you know, who knows? Sounded just like a, a huh. room full of people all talking over each other. Huh. Curious. Yeah. See, I can't I can't relate to that kind of stuff. I just I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I don't I'm not saying I disbelieve it or I believe it or anything like that, but I I just I don't know what to do with that because I, I don't know anything about it. But I find it interesting that that something happened to her away from the ranch that she came away from that experience with some sort of weirdness going on. Yeah, and I don't remember all of what happened at the ranch, but it, I guess it was a pretty powerful time for them both. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's uh, an, an amazing place, uh, and I think we're gonna have to get there. <laughs> I yeah. really do. I think we're gonna have to get there. I don't know if I'll be able to stay there, but I'll certainly go. So, so what's our end result here? It's um, our end result is that we are fine with our fear. <laughs> And so yeah, yeah, we're going to call I, I, this filters so that way we don't have to deal with the fact that, that we're haunted and he's happy. Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think you can put it much better than that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, clearly he is at uh, – he's not only at peace with this. He's loving this. You know, I mean, he's loving this. And, of course, immediately. Well, you know, who uh, else is a huge fan is uh, Susan Kornacki, who we had on the show. Yeah. And she also is at peace and loving this. So. Yeah. Maybe we're just in the wrong end of this business is the deal. (laughs) Well, I tend to think of myself as a lot more cautious. Let's put it that way. I mean, that's how I look at it. But imagine if you didn't know that Michael Sala was a creep. And imagine if you didn't know. You know, it didn't matter to you whether it was bugs or spirits or aliens. Like, it, it all just right. was good. <laughs> like, why is that bad? Don't you want that sometimes? Don't you? Ignorance no, is bliss I wanna, kind of thing. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I like Susan, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I've I've seen her, seen her Facebook page. And, you know, again... I think she's painting with a unicorn housebrush at at certain points. It's not that she's not an intelligent woman. It's not that I don't dislike her. It's just I like kind of the stuff. It's just the way I am. I mean, some of the stuff I look at it and I go, man, it just makes me tired. You know, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'm not trying to be rude. I mean, I like Susan. I like what she said on the show, but I just, eh. And same with James. I like James. James is a superbly nice guy uh, and really accommodating and a hell of a lot of fun to talk to. I just – as I said to him, I I can't get past uh, – uh, some of the words make me uncomfortable, but I know as well as I've preached this that we have to look past that a little bit to see what really is going on. And I think 
I think the idea that they view it in a positive way and it interacts in a positive way, that's the lesson to take from this. There's another lesson for for you and me here, which is that we're overlooking, which is that, um, you know, as much as we have an aversion to that language, Mm -hmm. um, people have an aversion to our language. Absolutely. So you look at one thing and you go, oh, that's new agey. Uh, You look at us and you're not a new ager, you're going to go, oh, that's new agey too. Is this the pot calling the kettle black? Right. We can try to be as rational and whatever as we want. The fact is we're still having these weird experiences. And um, Mm -hmm. James, in his lecture, said he doesn't have a facility for new age woo-woo, and he puts that in a gray basket until it proves itself. And I look at him and I go, you're insane to say that because (laughs) you are new age woo-woo. You see what I'm saying? Right. And then someone looks at us and goes, well, wait, you're insane for saying that because you're also new age woo-woo. It doesn't, you can't get away from <laughs> – once you're in this, you're you're sort of by degree – Well, I would this, say – Part of this thing. R- and then the other thing that he said uh, in the after chat was that he considers himself more scientific and, and skeptical. I mean mm-hmm. – and I'm just saying that I look at that and I go, no, you're not. And then that mm. reminds me that people look at me and go, no, you're not what you think you are either. So right. off your high horse, Feeney. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've recently, well, I've been going to the uh, RRR group blog and, uh, and commenting uh, more than a few times there. And I think it's been uh, about a week and a half ago that I went on and uh, I, I can't even remember what um, what Mr. Reynolds put up as a post, but it led me into the, trying to write up and describe the feedback uh, theorem that I've, that I've talked about on the show before. And so I wrote it up and I sent it to you and I said, does this, does this articulate this well enough in a, you know, in a written form? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. And I, so I went ahead and I posted it up and, you know, Rich Reynolds had said, you know, it was interesting and it was different and it was uh, another way to look at this. But immediately uh, someone came on the board and uh, or on the comments section and said, you know, this is the kind of uh, of crap that uh, religion is made off of. And this, that, and the, I mean, just a, like a complete teardown. And then uh, said something to the effect of um, whoever postulates these kinds of theories isn't up to the ET smarts. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And in the end, I ended up writing a reply to that saying, you know, what do you think you know what this is? You you honestly believe you know what this is. So there's a whole other contingency out there that looks at this from a nuts and bolts standpoint, and they're the ones that think they're doing science right. when they're and to a degree, they are because they're analyzing soil samples and they're analyzing, uh, you know, readings off trees if something's brushed it or whatever. I mean, yeah. So there's a scientific, uh, uh, well, sort of scientific uh, approach to it in that you're studying evidence, physical evidence, visual evidence. I've been there, done that, and I guess you know, at this point, to to them, that's what we look. We look like the New Agers. Because we're postulating theories here that are a little bit deeper, but I don't think that are that are out of their – see, this is the difference. I think what we postulate is not out of, out of the realm of something that science may have touched upon at a certain point or is getting to uh, these days to, to kind of uh, elaborate a little bit on. 
whereas I think when you start talking about Pleiadians and uh, what do you say, the Orion Council and all of that kind of stuff, that to me speaks more of wish fulfillment, like we talk about jokingly in the beginning of the show. And uh, I don't know, kind of that. Ah, what do you, what do you, like the Ashtar Commando stuff? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that speaks more to that folklore to me than the things that we talk about. I think there is a separation in what we're doing. But you and I have both uh, been touched by that type of dialogue. Me uh, with what oh, I said, absolutely. and you with your, you know, the, what was it, the seven rule the nine? Somebody oh, yeah. Says oh, to you, yeah, yeah. Hell I mean, yeah. Well, imagine if you believed that you knew what that meant or you went and looked it up and found a meaning and then applied it to that and then you would sure. say, oh, I know it. First of all, what this alien is telling me, you'd, you'd assume alien, and then right. here's what it means, the seven rule of nine. But I think yeah. if you just keep it an open question, that's that's what you need to do. And and I guess my, my end result for all of this is, or end statement, is that once again, whatever this is, is transrational. It transcends rationality. And as one Ken Wilbur reminds us, that which transcends, transcends and includes, so... It does away with the worst parts of what came before it, but it includes the best parts. So if you have irrationality, that's transcended and included within rationality, which is transcended and included within transrationality. But to a rational person who doesn't understand transrationality, it looks irrational. Why don't you explain transrationality, please? Something that is not completely silly <laughs> something that is you know has well i don't want to say a root in but it has a component a component of a transrational thing would have to be rational there would have to be sensical part of it or a scientific part of it but that would just be a component and then it would go beyond that into the experiential so in other words there'd be a rational component by which one could explain parts of the transrational or all of it but the transrational actually has to be experienced, not explained, not just made sense of by way of explanation. Because at a certain point, explanation fails us, and then it has to be lived in order to be fully understood. It, would, which diver- is, diver- it would diverge into woo, in other words, is what you're saying. It would diverge into, well, it would diverge, yeah, in a way, but the woo, the woo is only woo when it doesn't contain the rational component, is what I'm right. saying. Right, right. Uh, when it's anchored there, then it can the tether can <laughs> go as high as it wants. Right, and let's not forget the uh, the the words of uh, <laughs> the Reverend George Hansen, high priest of the trickster. Uh, there is a battle cry to the paranormal, and it is make them look like a nut. Yeah, and there it is. I don't so know much. if the paranormal is making us look nuts or if we're doing it to ourselves. You know. Well, I mean, because we're just confused about all of this. What is rational? What is transrational? What is irrational? Well, I think certain things that present themselves are a little bizarre if they're talked about in complete honesty. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just bizarre. I mean batshit bizarre. You know, the, I think the difference, and and of course, this is uh, probably why over the past you know two decades, I've. I've been asked a couple times, have you been checked out by a psychologist? Yes, I have, and I'm fine. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. And you are? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm good. Nice. I mean, the slight delusions of grandeur every now and then, but <laughs> uh, no. Uh, 
when you because I don't hold it back from the weirdness. I mean, I, I try not to because I, every part of this to me is important, even if it does make you look foolish in saying it because it's so unbelievable. And I think what James does is he takes those portions and and studies them and and says, well, he's arrived at his answer to this. And so for his answer, doesn't it also go back to, you know, the woman with the uh, the dancing Virgin Mary in her toilet? You know, you, you realize at a certain point that she sees it and you don't. <laughs> and, you know, like he's got his root on this. He's got a bead on it for him. And who the hell are we to negate it? Because he's experiencing it. We're not. <laughs> well, the difference there is that I would believe that James is actually experiencing something. Well, of course, the dancing Mary in the tub was not there to be experienced. (laughs) I I understand that. But, you know, again, I mean, you're still talking about uh, a a guy who, by his own admission, doesn't have the amount of attention being paid to his place and what goes on there as really should be. And why not? And his answer to why not was that ufology has kind of turned their back. Uh, on this and and why have they turned their back is because much like the people who believe what he says is going on is going on and then he becomes the guru that's that's that goes both ways you're also seeing that from the side of the rationalist ufo researchers out there who look at that and go he's a guru this is he's starting he's trying to start a religion or something like that and they're jumping to those conclusions without really examining what's going on. They immediately just dismiss it and say, this is not something I want to associate myself with because of the unicorn brush being painted here. And so that's really the problem. And and like I said to him during the interview, the fact that he uses this terminology and that he has a his own personal bead on it doesn't sit well. If you were cowering in your house, afraid to come out, you'd have people beating down your door going, what's What's going on? Let me investigate this. We can help. He doesn't need your help. <laughs> you know, he doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your hypnotherapy. He doesn't need you to qualify this for him. He knows that it's going on. That doesn't sit well with people, uh, I think, in this in this community. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I just don't even – I think when we even talk about, I mean, him, I think we're, we're focusing too much attention on him, frankly, uh, as our – most people, because yeah. it's it's like the Emma Woods thing. It's like she's not the one that's on trial here. I mean, it, it's like he's not right. the one that's on trial here. The thing that's on trial is that is that property or UFO hotspot or a paranormal hotspot, right? Uh, and it seems like, but again, it it always it is, is going to be. It is always going to be though the guy who brings the information out to the public. So that's always who it's going to be attached to. Oh just yeah. So we can make that clear. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, if, if you're bringing something forward, then ultimately you're going to be the contact point and the face to that area. But you're right. It is more about what is that area? What does it mean? Why is it a hot spot? It was a hot spot long before him, but I found it really interesting that they do intention experiments. Right. Man, what I wouldn't give to, uh, you know, to see that on tape or be there for one of those. I mean, I bet that's a, that's a, that's a wild scene. Um, well, that's just it. I mean, it's it's you're doing intention experiments with positivity. Yeah, you're getting these positive, happy results. I mean, 
I don't know. It all goes back to, for me, for him, (laughs) in my mind, to to his near-death experience where God says, uh, as you wish, you know, to to whatever. Mm -hmm. You want to go back? As you wish. You want to stay here? As you wish. And, you know, the way he interpreted that experience is the way that we interpret this UFO experience. uh, Yes. Of the more you give, the more you get. It's not good or evil. It's Mm -hmm. just reflecting back at you what you're giving to it. Right. Um, so I don't understand why he's not seeing that in this, that that mm. this is the same thing happening here. It's all as you wish. I mean, if he wanted to see this as demonic, I guarantee you that Orion Console of Light would change its <laughs> tune in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet so. Yeah, I bet. I bet so, too. I mean, it's uh, I think those, those I think feline it feline people will start clawing at you and suddenly <laughs> you're in a whole other situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. Sure. I I think it it is basically just how he views it, and uh, and and when people come there, you, you know whatever kind of quote unquote healing work that he's doing or whatever it is, uh, I'm it's all very positive there. I'm I'm sure I'm sure going there is a very uh, friendly, positive you know environment, and, and certainly it's it's beautiful. I mean, you look at the pictures, you can tell it's stunningly gorgeous, uh, and James is, is such a Kind, uh, generous, obviously open guy. Uh, it, it probably would be hard to go there and uh, and not feel comfortable. I mean, because you know, we talked to him for what all of an hour, hour and fifteen, hour and twenty, and you just you talk to him like like you've known him your whole life. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. He's just a super nice guy. So I figure when you go there and you're in surrounded by all this positive stuff, you probably can't help but have some sort of positive experience with the phenomena if it decides to present itself which interestingly enough he said doesn't always happen right you know that's another interesting part of it that doesn't always happen if only Hmm. if only we could talk more of that (laughs) well no i mean he said that in an interview like you know it won't it's not an on-demand thing oh yeah 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 and, and that that too speaks to um uh, just the the unpredictable nature of all of this stuff. I mean, like I said, I may not agree with his terminology or his conclusions with it, but um, I, I still respect the guy for coming on here and, and telling us about it. And he's certainly a nice man, and I, I, we will no doubt take him up on going out there. I would let, love to go. Let me wrap up with this question, sort of bringing us back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet transcending that, transcending and including the beginning, uh, which is... So are we ever going to get beyond our filters? And if not, then is it is is there a good or bad choice to be made here with how you view this? Hmm. Are we ever going to get past our filters? And if not, then why not unicorns, which feels better? <laughs> why not anything? Yeah. Um, I think changing the filters has to be fundamentally connected to how it would present itself at the onset. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So if it gradually built up to a full-blown experience of some sort, that seems like it might be more tolerable to withstand, but this doesn't seem to want to work that way. I have seen the phenomena present itself in a very sudden and direct and unavoidable way, and you just feel like you want to duck down into your little hole and cover it up with dirt. 
I think on some level, how do you, and maybe James would be the person to ask, how do you get it to meet you halfway at a certain point and say, I don't want to be afraid of this anymore. I don't want to be blinded by the filter of all I've, the horror stories of ufology. I want to approach this at a point where I say, just give me something I can tolerate. I go back to what McKenna talks about with the mushroom. He often mentions that even the guys in the Amazon who are tribal uh, cultures that have done this stuff for years. And he says his saying was uh, he asked one of the elders about the mushroom and, 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 uh, how how people where he was you know where where Terrence is from like they may use it willy nilly sometimes and sometimes they may take a lot and uh, and when they take a lot it's 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 very difficult for them and the guy's reply was well you think because we wear penis sheaths that this is any easier for us it isn't <laughs> it isn't it never gets any easier for us it's as hard for us as it is for you. In another lecture, he mentions that his goal with doing more and more often is to be able to stand more of it. And I think there's something in that that speaks to me about this. It's like, would it and how would you go about trying to make it so that you are able to stand just a little bit more at a time in in gradation? That may overcome the fear. That may overcome – I think it's two-way street. I think the filter is a two-way thing. I don't think that's all us. You know, The filter is there, yes, but can't you stop being you know, boogity, boogity, boogity? I mean that can't all be us if it's on the onset. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how I see a filter. Perceiving it differently, pff, perceiving it as something other than – Little guys and ships and all of that. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, on some level, maybe we have gotten over some filters. I mean, you and I both have seen things lately that haven't been exactly alien, but have no doubt been somehow connected to the phenomena in a way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, with all of that hot air, my answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I would think that it would be it would know enough uh, or I would think that we would be able to. And there's got to be some kind of dialogue here that that needs to without sounding too much like Greer. Uh, there's got to be some kind of I don't want a diplomacy course. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. uh, but I do. I, I think that there's got to be a step taken. There's got to be a you've got to enter in, into communion to actually get somewhere. And maybe Whitley had the right idea by swallowing the lump in his throat and putting on his best Sunday suit and going out and standing there and waiting. And maybe if you go out with that kind of open intention and honesty and shove fear to the rear and um, and think of it as this is going to be a positive experience, maybe it would be. And maybe that would break the filter of fear and of of maybe a lot of other things. To be continued. What do you think? You can't say to be continued. What do you think? Can filters be overcome or not? Well, I don't know that I that I agree that that's all of what goes into a filter. I mean, I, I look at it also from the perspective of if we have 
I don't remember what it is. What is it? 250 or 250,000? I don't know what it is. Uh, points of information that come at us and we uh-huh. recognize five. <laughs> right. Very small. Uh, yeah. So anything, again, that is transcendent of what we know is going to, or or what we can perceive even, mm. um, we're only going to see bits and pieces. And so when you see bits and pieces piercing through reality and the rest of it's invisible, well, it looks like maybe tentacle monster is coming at you. But that's right. just because you can't see the middle part. <laughs> where you know, Well, then you're talking about perceptual filters then. I mean. Yeah. Hmm. There's perceptual filters. I think there's cultural filters. I think there's. I'm talking about more behavioral, you know, filtering than than anything else. I mean, uh, that yeah, perceptual saying, filters. I don't that know how saying, to... That they're saying boogity boogity boo first, and then you're reacting to it. And so, why did they have to go boogity boogity boo first? And what I'm saying is, well, sure. When I, yeah. when I listen to your experiences of what happened to you first, I could see how it's not boogity boogity boo. I can see why it would look that way to you, obviously, as a little kid and seeing mm-hmm. this sheet being pulled over you and then suddenly you're in another dimension or something walking <laughs> and clapping at you and, you know, right. Buddhist gong goes off somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but that's – again, this is there's a problem here because my rational part wants to go, well, that's, that could just be a misunderstanding. That could be you not knowing what the mechanics of this are, perception, blah, blah, blah. But then the right. other part that I know from experience is that there is an irrational fear component that goes with this that is just, you know, out of your mind, animalistic fear at the presence of this. Yeah. And is Whitley Streber, hey, Streber getting a lot of getting a lot of airtime this week. Yeah. Is Streber right about that too when he says it's a, an allergic reaction that we have to them or like a, an allergic reaction? Well, if it is like an allergic reaction, maybe that only happens to some people, like allergies do. Mm. Maybe there are some people who can stomach it. I mean, supposedly, um, transcendental Buddhists or meditators don't have a reflexive fear anymore. They've gotten rid of that. And James says that he has studied with the best of them. So is it possible that James has lost his reflexive fear? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, uh, he's also had a near death experience. You know, I, I assume right the love and all of that outpouring of emotion that happens during that, and the fa- just the fact of it uh, gets rid of a lot of fear, right? Yeah, if you stick with it, you know, I've had my big I am experience, and I didn't stick with it. I I said eh, I'm going to turn my back on this for a little while. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be mortal again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I mean, has Whitley not said that um, – I mean, no doubt we've heard Whitley say this a million times that these beings, whatever they represent, are immensely powerful, I think is the terminology that he uses. And I've always had the – I don't know, the, the kind of the outlook on that that portion of it that, that yeah, they are immensely powerful powerful like that yeah i almost get the feeling at times like of being a grain of sand on the edge of a desk and they could just as easily flick me off the edge of the desk and you know as leave the room i mean it's just it's that incidental and so i think uh i mean i've talked about the fear of loss of control because you really you really are maybe for me and for a lot of other people it's probably the thought and the fear of being at the mercy of something that you really don't understand because I think good or bad, however you want to perceive them, 
whether they're benevolent space brothers or evil alien doctors, uh, either way you cut it, I think to know that they're vastly superior, uh, obviously in, a, in, in some sort of spirituality sense, I don't know if technology falls into this or not, but I mean, clearly they know something you don't, which automatically gives them the upper hand. And maybe it's maybe part of that reactionary fear element is just the simple fact of that you're 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 there in the presence of something that is immensely more powerful than you think than you think you are. I'm not saying we're not. We could be, and we just don't know. I mean, to me, that well, if, seems if to be the, the disconcerting twist, point to me. Well, you know, if the twist that needs to happen uh, is that you feel as if you're working with them. Yeah. Um, would you want to get to that point or would you not trust it? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I guess you'd have to, <laughs> I guess you'd have to wonder if they're worthy of your trust or not. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, you know, what's the mantra? Never trust an alien. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, uh would I want to get to that point? I mean, if there's something to learn, sure. Um, the question is, what is there to learn? What what's going to be what's going to be on the other side of that? See, I don't think you learn. I think you change. I think the learning change. changes you, and that's the thing that you know is that's what that's what's to be feared. Yes, yes, the the loss of what you know. Yeah, and that's I'm almost going. why I think a lot of these folks are in denial when you talk about an Orion Council and all that stuff. That's the positivist way of. Remaining yourself. It's, uh, I've got a handle on this. I've got answers. I'm working with this council that is uh, that I can understand in just really basic terms. Get my head around, yeah. 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 I mean, that doesn't ring true to me, and um, neither does the fear even that I experience ring true to me. Right. Um, because, as I've said a number of times, you look into the face of a being uh, and – there's nothing there that's fearful. There's nothing there that's saying, I'm going to kill you. I, I want to, no. oh, you know. Yeah. So what is that fear? Why is there that fear? And are they blocking out that fear? Have they made peace with that fear? Mm. You know, what is what is it that, that a Susan Kornacki and a James Gilliland have that I don't? Um, and then what's the price? Is the price non-discernment? Can you have your cake and eat it too? And can you be discerning and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say that the two are uh, – I'd say they're – that's a tenuous connection at best. I mean I, I think you know? that all of this gets back to you got to know yourself before you ask what the other is because yeah, uh, if there is no self, if there truly is no self mm. and there's something waiting beyond that illusion, then we've got to get there. I mean that's just it because if you're saying that your your fear is do they deserve your trust? Who the fuck mm. are you? Right. If you don't yeah. exist. I mean, if truly you don't exist, that's nonsensical. And so maybe they're just calling out the nonsensical bullshit at every turn. And like you can't yeah. get beyond that until you get beyond that, you know? Yeah. But I find yeah. it funny that this being comes in and takes away your fear, but still you're stubbornly, <laughs> stubbornly refusing to play along. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. You took my fear. Wonderful. Bye. And these guys, uh, they yeah. don't have fear, and but they've, but they, I don't know, I don't know what they're embracing. You know, can I tell you what my head says? Yes. 
and I don't know if it's true or not, but it just sounds like coping mechanism to me to subscribe to, you know, the Orion Council and the, you know, the light and love and the dolphins and, you know, all of that just seems like another way of approaching this that makes it less fearful and therefore more tolerable. The question is, is are you learning anything valuable by doing that? Or is it really just this phenomenon, again, transforming into what's expected of it in a tailor-made individual way? This is why I say these broad, you know, these broad sweeping uh, categorizations of everyone's experiences uh, aren't really that useful. Because to me, uh, this whole experience and anyone's interaction with it over the course of their life uh, is all very personal and very subjective and very tailor-made to that person. Uh, I don't think you could find two people that say have, have experienced it exactly the same way and have uh, in turn conveyed it in exactly the same way. Because I think it, it, it ultimately it comes down to a completely personal experience and therefore maybe someone like Susan meets some someone like with James' outlook on it in a more open way because they're both kind of into that, that thematic. And that's just kind of their way of coping with that. But at the same time, are they coping? It's not really coping if it's positive, right? There's nothing to cope with. See how that butts up against each other? It just like doesn't, the yeah. jigsaw puzzle doesn't fit there. But you then, know, they're, I, they're not coping. They are, they are at peace with it. They are, Right. Uh, in a state of all with it. And, and you know, and there's nothing to cope with this. What, what do you mean cope? I'm not coping with anything, James would say, you know, um, it's the way that they make it. Uh, and, and this is this is one thing that, that we've talked about on the show, you know, the woo factor and all that. But, you know, there's well, woo and then there's these types of things that don't fit again, that. Even but, the dolphins. I mean, I'll, I'll say it again. You you got a guy like James who goes and swims with dolphins, and he thinks he's communicating with them and having a grand old time, and mm. wow, what an amazing experience. Yeah. I've been in to swim with the very same pack of dolphins, probably. I'm sure Michael Sala brought him out. I'm sure of this. Uh, he said he was in Hawaii, right? Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm sure he went out to the same pack of uh, spinner dolphins with Ted Rowe. Mm. And um, my experience is, please don't butt me in the ribs um, and eat me. That was my, when I'm being circled by things that look like sharks, uh, that's usually what I'm thinking. Right. Indeed was. And then it became not a magical experience, but, you know, like my fear went down and I could sort of enjoy the presence of these dolphins and be in awe of nature and all of that. But it certainly wasn't like I'm not psychically communicating with them. I'm not uh, having this epiphany or anything like that. Uh huh. Um. Now, we. what's the truth of the situation? The truth of the situation is we both swam with dolphins. It was as you wish. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm sure with James, they probably said, come, James, swim with us. And with you, they probably said, Jeremy, get with the fucking pod. You know what I mean? <laughs> with me, they were like, aren't you too fat to be out here? Aren't you like, a cramp? But so... I bet he tastes good. <laughs> but here's the thing. So from the, the dolphin thing, now, the, okay, the truth of it is that we both swam with dolphins. Mm-hmm. The subjectivity of it is the as-you-wish part. 
Now, yeah. the subjectivity part isn't going to go away so long as the self exists, because that's what subjectivity is. So mm. as long as I'm living in this world of self, why would I not want to be the guy who's in loving it out there and not right. afraid of dying? Why wouldn't I want to be that guy? Because <laughs> you're afraid of losing what you know. Well, and maybe the answer is... You're comfortable where you are. But what's, so what's he afraid of? Because clearly he's not, I'm, I'm saying clearly, and I'll, I'll throw it out there. Clearly he's not psychically <laughs> communicating with dolphins and he's not, you know, he's just out there with dolphins. That's the truth of the matter. We're both just out there with dolphins. So what is it about me that, that doesn't want to be happy with that? And what is it about him that needs to be ultra happy and, oh yeah, add on to it, you know, like outlandishly, like I'm communicating and I, and I saw an orb. I mean, this was something in his 2008 thing. I saw an orb that was dolphin-shaped, and that was related to the fact that I was going to go out there and and mm. swim with the dolphins, and it was communication and all that. I mean, what what is it about somebody that needs to go those extra steps to be happy? Mm. And what is it about me that doesn't even approach happiness? <laughs> I mean, are we both suffering flip ends of the same sort of depression coin or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Called the self. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could well be. I don't know. I'm I'm a little out of touch with the whole self and enlightenment thing, but uh, you know, I, no, you're not. Shut I, up. I am. I am. You're but bullshit. I will say, you're bullshit. I will, you always no. understand exactly what I'm saying, and then you say it better. Like a week I, I, later. I do understand what you're saying. I, I just it can't. It doesn't. I mean, for me, it, I can't make sense of it. For me, for you, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what I can say is that the, the, the book that you gave me, the Kirsten Murdy book, I've read it 10 times, this chapter on fear, you know, and, uh, and it, I mean, he really just is brilliant. And the one thing that I, that I always think about is, you know, you don't fear the unknown because you don't know, you don't have anything to compare it to. What I mean, how can you fear the unknown? You don't fear the unknown. Uh, what you fear is the loss of yourself. You fear the loss of what you know in your comfortable lifestyle and the way you sit with yourself. Uh, that's what you fear losing. And so, I mean, with you with the dolphins, uh, what would that mean if you went out there and like loved it? You know, what what would that mean for you? I don't I don't necessarily know what that would mean for you. That's for you to say. But um, if you went out there and had some magical experience. Uh, is the fear of it that, oh, my God, I'm going to go out here and have a magical experience with fish, mammals, whatever. <laughs> and you're going to be – I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to wear – I don't no, want to wear a short gold guy. chain. I totally, I totally wanted to be that guy. There's one reason well, and one reason only to swim with dolphins, and that's to have the magical experience. <laughs> I but you were that. afraid of – But I was like, oh, wait, no. I mean it's like the, the rawness of like, oh, no, I'm actually out – in the depths of the ocean with things that I cannot see and things that I can. And I'm now being circled by a pot of dolphins. This is nature. This, this ain't right. no show on nature where, you know, flipper right. ain't gonna <laughs> rear his head yeah. and chirp at me, you know? Right. Right. And, right. and then to see babies, I mean, there was baby there, at least one. And mm -hmm. then I get the thing of, you know, well, geez, what, you know, what are mothers with their babies? Are they protective? Is that going to happen? You know? Am I invading their territory? You know, all of that stuff. It, it becomes real so, because it's you're out there in it. So ultimately you were worried about physical pain. Yes, I was worried about, yeah, being bucked, <laughs> essentially. 
But I mean, it's like anything else. It's like you, you let a dog sniff you and then you pet it. If I'm James, I pick the dog up and I twirl it around and I go, wee. And if the dog never bites me, then why not? Why shouldn't I do that? Me and the dog will both love it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You both love it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is insane. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, what do you, (laughs) um, thanks for that mental picture. I got to (laughs) say. You and a dog, like, throwing each other around and loving it. Uh, well, I mean, if you wanted to be that guy, I think you should have been that guy. I, I don't see if you wanted to be that guy why you would go out there and be afraid. Because you, know you can't mean? help it. Because it's, like, just an instinctive – it's not like I thought about it. Right. It's just like, so, there's your, so there's your answer. It's instinctive. Right. That, that speaks more to your brain than, you know, like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm out here, out of my element, in the water, relatively helpless. And now there are things in here that live here. And we're right back to the thing of, I am around, in this environment, immensely more powerful beings. <laughs> Correct? Yeah, it's exactly And there's that. your fear. It's, that, there's it's your the fear. realization that you're in a larger environment that you're not in control of, right? That, that's what that's that exactly is. That's exactly it. And that's exactly how it feels to me with... You know, and 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 an alien or whatever we want to call them being, is that I'm in an element now that is not normal, is not my comfortable environment, and I'm surrounded by something vastly more powerful than me. And so the question bears in mind, just as you said with the dolphins, what are they going to do to me? My answer is, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean that's really it, and that is that is the brain saying I'm out of my element. You know, so I brought that joke right back to uh, a Seinfeld conclusion. How'd you like that? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's really it. I, I, how do you overcome that? I don't know. For, I guess if you went out there again, you certainly wouldn't feel that way, would you? Uh, no, I would feel more at home. You feel more at home. So, yeah. See, it's a gradual, it's a you know, gradual evolution of your own. But I'm still afraid of sharks. Well, sure, but a, a dolphin, their natural enemy is a shark. They'll butt the crap out of a shark. Right. You know, so likely they would be the ones going after him, not him after you. Or he wouldn't even approach. I mean, that that really is it for me. I mean, it's it's um it's it's the loss of what I know. And I, I think from the time I was, I don't know what, twenty two, twenty three, I did lose a lot of what I thought I knew. Like, when I got up in the morning, I thought I knew that, uh, yeah, some weird shit had happened, but whatever. So maybe And then that is... night, with my wife, it became, oh, no, there's something much bigger here. So, <laughs> and now right. you're going to see it. <laughs> so, so, okay, so James's experiences as a kid was of being really sick and then having mm-hmm. these sort of, you know, religious experiences. Right. Uh, so he goes from pain, you know, deathly ill into, ah, into an ecstatic experience, Marian visions and all this. Right. He drowns. He goes into a near death experience. So in a way, <laughs> and he said, right, he was raised to sort of be open to this sort of stuff. Yeah. So maybe he is the perfect storm of somebody to be brought into uh, feeling okay with this. You know, he's yeah. in a way conquered death conquered uh pain and illness in in his head you know it's like 
pain and illness are immediately associated with this other stuff. Pain and illness don't register anymore. That's all the illusion. The real thing is what's beyond the veil. And what's What's beyond the veil is this ecstatic, blissful uh, oneness. Right. Well, I mean, this is this is a topic we're going to we're going to be tackling soon is the the uh, the near death experience stuff. Uh, I want to do more than a few shows on that Um, because I think there's something to be to be learned from some of those people, because, uh, you know, you you could you could say that or you could surmise that that James having that experience, a, a lot of those people come back from that whole episode with no fear of dying whatsoever and no fear of uh what comes next. And I bet that's uh I bet that's really liberating. <laughs> you know, I bet that's really cuz I mean when you go to swim with dolphins at that point, you could give a fuck if a shark came up and swallowed you whole because you know that this is not yeah, you like you just said, you know this is all illusionary and what's real is what comes after this. You know, for the rest of us chickens back here, um you know that's that's something to be feared because we haven't had our own personal subjective um uh tailor made experience of that so uh, James may have lost his fear of a lot of things very early on going through that that's probably one big big part of it but w- am I right in saying that he had odd experiences before all of that happened, or did they start at the near death experience that he had? yeah, no, that's what I'm saying he, when he was a kid, he had uh sicknesses that ended up in, you know, I almost said hallucinatory because that's what a doctor would say. Okay. Mary right. visions. I think Mary from, as we all know okay. from the Bible. <laughs> right. Came right. to him right. and whatever, held him, I don't know what, patted him on the head, not sure right. quite what. But, you right. know, that whole thing, the whole I mean, Catholic trip. Sure. Sure. Well, maybe that's, I mean, that that, that could, be, could be a big part of it is, is, uh, you know, having experiences like that early on that were that were all very positive, and and then the near death thing, um, you know, coming away from that, you've got to be. I mean, I, I just watched a uh, 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 program the other night again, and I I've recorded it this time called the the day I died, and all of these people ultra transformed by uh, the near death experience into a completely different, not only personal. Uh, personality trait, but also their life paths, their their outlook on death, their outlook on uh, on life, and uh, uh, I'll bet you that's got a lot to do with why James is who he is and and how he relates to this. So, um, but uh, again, James, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, and and I, I I really enjoyed it. I really did. Yes, James, thank you very much. Jody Heckman, thank you very much. Yes, for thank you, Jody. Contact. Jeff Ritzman, thank you very much. Jeremy and Vaney, thank you very much. Thank you again for thanking me. And our last second here, should we uh, tell the listeners about all the changes that are coming up on Paratopia? Sure, go for it. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Brilliant. That's good radio. <laughs>